It's not something I ever would have done without this podcast and your guidance. Uh, so uh, I appreciate that. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm a guidance counselor. My, my childhood you, dream. You, you're, I'm exposing myself to my guidance counselor. <laughs> what? <laughs> And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 40. <gasps> this is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite music artists to listen to each week. And I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films. And we come together on this very podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my very good friend, Matt Runquist. And Travis, you just described the setup for the show, but you're completely wrong this week because this is a very special episode this week neither yes. of us has seen the movies before neither of us has listened to the music what are those things well we watched two movies horror films let the right one in a swedish film from 2008 and let me in an american remake of let the right one in from 2010 and then we listened to brand new album from olivia rodrigo guts Yes. Oh, man. So we are bucking all sorts of trends uh, today, my friend. And uh, I so uh, you have been sick for a couple of weeks uh, uh, a month. with this cold that you've been battling. A whole month. Oh, my gosh. Which turned out to be bronchitis. Uh, yeah. Bronchitis, you told me. Yeah. And it turns out I caught bronchitis. This week. I'm really sorry, so, man. Um, it's probably I didn't know bronchitis could be transmitted over the internet, but uh, it turns out it can, and that's exactly what happened. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. <laughs> it was a friend of mine who uh, I was in a car with for a while, and he had a really nasty cough and didn't deign to um, mask himself up. And uh, you know, I won't name him for uh, you know for privacy's sake, but um, he did not wear a mask, and and I don't even think he covered his mouth when he was coughing but regardless we were stuck in a car for like half an hour yeah. with that air and i was like oh no yeah. and uh i remember him saying something along the lines of oh it's just bronchitis and i was like uh bronchitis doesn't mean not transmissible <laughs> so uh like laryngitis that's that's a, just a personal problem yeah but bronchitis is caused by uh viruses yeah it sure is, and, uh, sure is. could be caused by a couple different viruses but uh, anyway so i'm feeling okay but if uh you at home are listening to this and being like well travis sounds sexier than normal uh that is why i've got that uh that deep er register going because of my uh my throatness so nice well, I can always apply a yeah. filter to make you sound your normal high-pitched yeah, Mary just Poppins pitch, song. Pitch it up a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, do that. So uh, other than that, um, well, I'll go first this week yeah. since I was already talking. Uh, I uh, didn't do much. We're back to work hey. this coming week, so tomorrow. All right. Uh, we're going back to work, which is exciting. My sleep schedule is not prepared, <laughs> by the way. So uh, when I go to work, I'm, my call time tomorrow is like 7.15 a.m., which means I have to wake up about an hour and a half before that in order to get Coco walked and, and get ready and get there. And um, so that what? That's a 5.45 a.m. alarm. And uh, I have been going to bed around 1 or 2 a.m. Yeah. Uh, lately. So yeah. uh, that's not going to fly. That's not going to work. And um, Nope, nope. So, uh, But hopefully that'll be fixed. And uh, I'm coming up to this shoot that we've got in a couple of weeks, too. So I think all of that will... Uh, I'll get my sleep schedule back to work hopefully and uh, and doing that i did the other big news was that i applied for uh i think i might have told you i applied for a job at the apple store yep. like a part-time seasonal thing 
because I like, you know, Apple products and I thought, oh, what a fun job. It's literally, the store is a couple blocks from my house so I could walk there. Oh, uh, nice. Or bike really fast. And uh, and I think it'd be just a cool thing to just bop over there, hang out with some people, talk about Apple products, sell some stuff maybe, and um, and then come home. So uh, I got through their first interview process, their uh, their first round of interviews, and now I have a second round of interviews, which I think is hysterical for a for a a seasonal sales part time yeah. job. Yeah, to, yeah, to have two rounds of like I don't think I've ever had two rounds of interviews for any job even the even the one where i was a manager at starbucks it was like one interview and then and then they offered me the job so then here you go uh so yeah this should be interesting another round coming up later this week well i wish you the best of luck uh i'm doing pretty well thanks uh so yeah, I officially got diagnosed with bronchitis this week. My mom, who was in town, as you know, uh, is a former nurse practitioner. She's retired now. And she was like, you know that you're not supposed to have a cough for like a whole month without it going away. Like, you have bronchitis. And I'm like, no, it's fine. It's just, it's just a cold, right? And she's like, no, you have bronchitis. You should go in. And so I went in, and lo and behold, I do indeed have bronchitis. Uh, they did a chest X-ray. I don't have any signs of pneumonia or anything. Uh, and the, but they put me on steroids and uh, a couple other medicines, and I am feeling quite a bit better. But today was my last. Oh, good. Today was my last day of steroids, and I hear that it can be a little tough coming off of them. Uh, I had a fair bit of insomnia. Uh, with the steroids and now i uh-huh. now i don't know what to expect but i know that it can sometimes be a hard landing so hopefully i will be feeling good for the rest of the week yeah i hope it's not too hard of landing but i, I think it's hysterical that we have this uh now both of us are like uh two sick men in a podcast yeah two sick men in a, yeah it's a totally different uh totally different vibe around here so, <laughs> well, we will keep ourselves uh, uh, artificially cheery and hopped up on uh, tea and honey, and uh, <laughs> bring us bring you this entertaining uh, thing that we've got. This entertaining entertainment. I would be okay if it's a little shorter today. That's all I'm saying. So <laughs> we might be and might yet be in for a treat. And yet you assigned a double header. All right, shall we? Oh my get god! In, get well, into the meat that of this is episode. A whole thing. Let's yeah, get to we, the meat, yes. Yeah, we've got, uh, I think we've got good things to talk about, though, about that. And I don't, I actually don't think it's going to take us a whole lot longer than one. No. Because, spoiler alert for the movie potion, it was a pretty faithful adaptation. But. Yes. I say we switch things up a little bit this week and go to the music first. All right, let's shake it up and do the music. Go ahead. Tell me about uh, Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, I you know, I listen to pop music. I like pop music. And Olivia Rodrigo burst onto the scene a few years ago with a song called Driver's License, one of the fastest selling uh, or fastest, most streamed singles of all time that Mm. isn't like a holiday single because apparently like Mariah Carey comes out and is, you know, uh, like rules the streaming charts, but yeah. So uh, the song "Driver's License" came out was a big hit. The whole album. And she didn't come out of nowhere though. Before that, well, she was like a Disney girl. Well, right? I'm getting to that, but yes. Oh, yeah. oh, no, no, it's okay. Uh, that's absolutely true. She uh, came up through what we think of as the Disney pipeline, although it hasn't really produced a lot of stars since its heyday of like Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera, etc. Uh, there haven't really been a ton of those people. 
uh, coming out lately, but she definitely came up through the Disney Channel pipeline. She was on a show called Bizardvark for uh, from 2016 to 2019 when she was only 13. That's a great name. Started when she was only 13 or 14 years old. Uh, and then she's been on the hilariously poorly named show High School Musical, the musical, the series. Oh, I, I, that kind of delights me, to be honest. Yeah, you're a fan of you're uh, a fan it's of it's very similar to like untitled web series about a space traveler who can also travel through time. Yeah, but it's not supposed to be a parody. I don't think. Maybe it is supposed to be a parody of itself. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's supposed to be a little tongue in cheek. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched the show, but it's a no one would. It's a double. Cult. They can't not know what the title sounds like. I mean, right? I don't know, man. People are people can be pretty out of touch. But anyways. So, point being, she came up through that system, and then she released her debut album at the age of uh, 17, and a uh, very, very big deal, uh, a bunch of hit singles, led, of course, by Driver's License. Anyways, two years go by, time for a sophomore album. She's 20 years old now, and this is the album Guts, and we listened to it, and uh, yeah, it just came out like a month or two ago. Uh, so this is very, very recent, and I deliberately Super didn't listen to it. Us. Yeah, I deliberately didn't listen to it because I wanted to listen to it with you. So what would you think, Travis? Yeah. Well, I'll talk a little bit, but uh, because, I don't know, I, I, I don't know since you are the expert um, and you also are experiencing this for the first time, I might you have the longest word on this, but um, I liked it. Mm -hmm. I think that this was a lot of fun to listen to. It checked so many of my boxes that we've talked about, you know, with uh, easy to understand lyrics, a voice that is pleasant to listen to and kind of melds well with uh, with the instruments. It was produced well. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that there were like the, the the everything from the arrangement of the songs in the album to the arrangement of the music within the songs mm -hmm. was done very um, uh, expertly, mm -hmm. I want to say. And the um, uh, e uh, easy to understand words, the poetry was good, but not, not like obnoxious. Mm -hmm. It didn't sound like, you know, the high school uh, level like lyrics. And um, the only thing that I was worried about going into it was kind of the, she does have that kind of like pop teen, you know, bubblegum teen idol uh, mm -hmm. songstress sound yeah. that we encountered a few, uh, a few weeks ago. I don't mm -hmm. remember who it was that we were talking about. Do you? Uh, what, did you like it or no? <laughs> no, I didn't like it in that case. I thought uh, it kind of annoyed me. Betty uh, who maybe? Maybe yeah, sounds, that sounds about right. And so it, the, when when this started, I thought it was going to be very much the same issue, mm -hmm. but it wasn't really. Yeah, uh, I kind of liked it, and I think she has uh, Olivia Rodrigo has really good control over her voice, and uh, it, it was both it was both emotional and heavy when it when she wanted to rock out. She had that kind of power behind it, mm -hmm. and um, so. Ultimately, maybe not the kind of music that I normally love and seek out, but I didn't have a lot of... Uh, I couldn't find a lot of fault in this album, which... Um, uh... Yeah. Yeah. This Go is ahead, this is in the this is in the vein of what I would call like pop girly music, uh, which is not intended to be uh, derisive or anything. But there is, you know, I think in the wake of Taylor Swift's sort of world domination over the last fifteen years, there have been various sort of pretenders to the crown and women who 
have come out, yeah, in this late teens, early 20s, uh, songwriters and performers with sort of high-level producers sort of shooting all for to grab the same brass ring. And this is... You know what's interesting? Well, if I can interject for a second, yeah. is I don't know a lot of Taylor Swift. And I was thinking about this this week when uh, she Taylor has been, well, just consistently in the news. Yeah. But uh, she is lately, because of her concert tour and how absolutely enormous it has been she's been in a lot of news and i was like well i don't know a lot of taylor swift songs and i and i was kind of thinking do i know more taylor swift or do i know more beyonce and i feel like i know more beyonce songs than i do taylor swift i would believe so that especially since you compare yeah especially since you used to go out dancing a lot i that wouldn't surprise me at all uh that you know more beyonce than taylor swift i have avoided giving you taylor swift because i thought it was like a uh, too over the middle of the plate, right? Like, of course, Taylor Swift. But uh, we might explore a little I'd bit. I'd be intrigued. Uh, because each of her albums is different. Uh, and so there's there's sort of fun things to enjoy that, that are uh, the change from album to album. But anyways, back to Olivia Rodrigo. So she's, yeah, she's sort of in this tradition. But I would say, you know, she is just like her popularity because she is probably the number one of these, you know, women right now, uh, I would say her popularity is totally deserved. Like this is really good, fun stuff, upbeat, uh, a good variety to the point where it gets a little pastiche at times. Like there's songs where there are times when it's like, yeah, this is the Avril Lavigne sounding song. And this is the, you know, pink sounding song. And this is, mm, this is the Taylor yeah, okay, Swift yeah. sounding song. Um, you know, and subject matter wise, it's pretty down the middle of the road, right? Like this is, you know, it's a sophomore album. So there's a song about being famous and how hard it is to be famous. And there's a song about, mm -hmm. you know, a breakup with your boyfriend because you're 20 years old. And so you've had, a, you know, had a few boyfriends and heartbreaks now. And like, uh, so the subject matter is not certainly breaking any new ground. But I feel like they, she and her co-writers have found an interesting way into these sort of well-trodden grounds that makes it not sound like, oh, well, there's yet another song about a guy who's a jerk, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. so I, I, I really liked it. Um, especially early on, this album is very, very strong. I do feel like it gets a little weaker as it goes on. Um, the, the first few tracks well i mean frankly they're just following your your directive of good stuff first right uh yeah but which i like and they're all like i'm looking actually at the playlist now and every single one of these songs is between two and a half and four minutes which i think you have discussed in the past as being the perfect length for a song songs should be yep no more than no more than four minutes and no no less than two and a half so i mean unless you've got something super interesting to say sure yeah Sure. Um, Which, you know, says itself, says something in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I Last week I had mentioned that there was a little bit of beef with Taylor Swift. That's not really a, uh, it's not one of, it's more one of the things that has played out between the fan bases. But Olivia Rodrigo had uh, some songs on her first album that, sort of what they call interpolated some parts from Taylor Swift songs or incorporated some elements in a way that ended up 
uh, she ended up signing away like part of the songwriting credit for those songs. Well, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of money comes from songwriting credit. It's actually oh. one of the primary ways that people in the music industry make money now is through uh, songwriting royalties. Uh, performance royalties are much smaller than than songwriting royalties. And so um, there are people, you know, uh, who who just write songs like in Nashville or in LA, uh, and don't really perform, you know, on their own at all, who have much more stable income streams than people that we know that are much more household names. Um, Kesha's mom, for instance, is, is Nash is a Nashville songwriter, you know? Oh yeah. No, uh, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyways, so Olivia Rodrigo, you know, gave uh, some songwriting credit to Taylor Swift on a couple of the songs on her first album and sort of, I think, regretted it, f one, from a monetary sense, but two, because I think a lot of people uh, ended up feeling like, oh, this is just a Taylor Swift clone, when she's very clearly not just a Taylor Swift clone. Like, mm -hmm. she's still, I think, defining exactly what type of artist she's going to be like a lot of this stuff is there's not a whole new a whole lot of new ground broken here right most of it's like pretty straightforward pop punk or um or pop music um yeah so uh, i do want to get into a couple of things that i don't love about this album um okay one is she uses <laughs> what one review I read referred to as recitative. Do you know what recitative is? So, uh, you know, I've heard of it probably, but I couldn't na name yeah, it. Yeah. In classical music, when you do like kind of sing speaking, uh, that's, that's what's called recitative. Nowadays, okay. we just, it's what they do in, in Les Mis. Yeah. But nowadays we just call it rap, right? Like oh. Olivia Rodrigo, she kind of, she sort of half white girl raps in two or three of these songs, and I don't feel like it ever really works. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't love it. I, I wanted her to like sing melodies. Um. <laughs> there was one song where I did notice that, and I don't know if, uh, uh, I don't remember which song it was, but I did peg it out, and I actually kind of liked it as a, as a bit of variety. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see that argument. I I didn't feel like it was necessary, and it felt a little. I like I said, I feel like she's kind of like casting about for her own personal style, and this was just another sort of thing that she did. Um, so that so I didn't love that, and like I said, uh, some of this some of the subject matter is like very well trodden. So those are those are my two mm, big reads sure. on it. Um, but there's a few songs I really dig. Um, I really liked Ballad of a Homeschooled Girl, which is funny, right? Because, you know, she came up as a Disney kid. And so this is, you know, it's about, it talks about her social awkwardness, which I think we can all agree she probably is not actually socially awkward given, you know, uh, the circles that you she never know. In. I've met a lot of people who are, who are fairly, uh, famous or well-known who in front of a camera or in front of a microphone, they can be extremely outgoing and extremely energetic and and charismatic but in front of a normal person in an actual conversation they are uh withdrawn and um and socially awkward so that's fair i've seen it i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt it okay or be surprised i suppose um 
Yeah, so that that one felt uh, I liked that one a lot because it felt personal to me uh, in a way that some of these necessarily didn't. Uh, another one I really dug was the one after that, making the bed, um, which I'm not sure if this is the correct interpretation of the song, but it's for me it seemed like it was about how she has the face that she shows the world that's very famous and she's out you know, clubbing and doing all these fun things. But uh, at home, you know, she still has the responsibility and like sort of the very normal, boring parts of life. And it can be hard to cope with that contrast. And I really like yeah. that. You know, me, I'm still making the bed. I thought it was a really nice yeah. metaphor for that feeling. Yeah, I pegged that as as a as a good song myself. And, uh, and I... I didn't spend as much time even listening to the lyrics, but the the melody is really nice. It's a it's a it's a good song to listen to. Yeah, sort of so. sort of power ballady almost. Um, I really yeah, dug it. Yeah, kind of a little bit. Good choice. Yeah. Um, and then the other song that I s- sort of want to point out, not because I particularly loved it, but the song Vampire, uh, to me is pretty clearly about a failed relationship. But there's a whole fan theory that it's actually referring to Taylor Swift. Uh, and I, I just, oh. I just thought that was funny. I, I think you have to really, really read into it in order to get that out of it. But this is one, I would say probably one of the more negative aspects of the pop girly phenomenon is that the fan bases are very, very online and very, very prone to overinterpreting every signal, you know, the type of people that follow like oh, this person liked this tweet and that therefore means that they hate this other person. And right, just the types yeah. of things that at our age were, were you know, too oblivious or just not eternally online enough to even notice. Well, I tend to be very oblivious to that kind of drama anyway, like the, the, the celebrity gossip type thing. Yeah. Uh, and I never know, like even when I was at the, I remember I was at Acme Comedy and like I never knew who was dating who and who was having sex with who. And uh, so that kind of stuff always goes over my head. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it's interesting that that kind of team mentality exists out everywhere, not just sports. Mm-hmm. It's also in yeah. your pop music where you can't yeah. be a fan of Taylor Swift and Beyonce. Mm-hmm. You, people expect you to be one or the other. Like, yeah. you know, it's like that old, and that's been around for a while, right? Are you a Beatles yeah. person or are you, uh, what was Rolling it? Rolling, St- Rolling oh, Stones. Elvis, Stones. Elvis and the Beatles? No, Rolling Stones or, or and, the Sto- and Beatles. Stones and the Beatles? Yeah, and you always had to choose one. And you're like, but I like both. You could. I don't know. I'm a Beatles I don't fan. get that yeah. kind of thing. Are you? Yeah, I'm a Beatles guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I guess I'm more of a Beatles, but again, man, we'll talk a bit later. I have a little note about uh, about the extent of my uh, uh, of my ignorance when it comes to music. Yeah, but well, I guess the I guess just on that same vein, uh, there has been a lot of commentary lately on the parasocial relationships that people have with celebrities, which is to say they cultivate this sense of like oh this person is your friend right uh, mm-hmm. and that a lot of the fandom comes from those relationships which ultimately only exist in the fan's head right like right. Uh, taylor swift is not your bud right that's you know, olivia rodrigo is not your friend she may at sure. one point have been a relatable 10 year old girl from temecula but now she's a huge tv and international pop star and you don't know her, right? <laughs> you, uh-huh. 
you right. know. And she doesn't know you, and more she importantly. Do, and she doesn't know you. So, um, anyways, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say before we rate? I don't. Uh, I, I I genuinely thought that this was a fun album that uh, I was I was very excited to experience it close to when the rest of the world was. Right. You know, that was yeah, an like... interesting feeling because that's very unlike me. And uh, and to experience the whole album, uh, in it's not something, and I've said this a few times over the course of the last year, but it's not something I ever would have done without this podcast and your guidance. Uh, so uh, I appreciate that. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm a guidance counselor. My, my childhood you, dream. You, you're, I'm exposing myself to my guidance counselor. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Yeah, so give me a rating. Uh, I will. I'm going to give this a fairly good rating. I think this was a, at least a seven for me, uh, and I'm wondering if I should go higher. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it an eight. Wow. Because, yeah. Wow. I, I really enjoyed it. I think this is something I would listen to again, and um, I suppose it, it could have either been a seven that could have gone higher or an eight that could have gone lower. And I'm feeling generous this week, so you're feeling. I'm gonna go for an eight. All right. Cool. Well, I'm going to give this a seven. Uh, I liked it quite a bit, but uh, it doesn't quite push up into that uh, love category that I have. Mm, uh, I gave yeah. I gave Paramore a seven last week, and I don't feel like I like this better than Paramore. So seven, seven it is from... There we go. And I, and I can sense how this would be much more uh, my type of music than yours, just being more poppy. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a big. I, I I think I'm a fan of pop music. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's get into the uh, the movies. Yeah, let's get into the blood. And I say and the gore. I say movies plural yes. because I made you watch two movies, a double feature that <clears throat> I have been excited to get into for years. So. Uh, Let the Right One In is a Swedish movie that came out in 2008, and it was very quickly adapted into a uh, an American remake called Let Me In, and uh, I, I, I hadn't watched them for a long time because I wanted to experience it with somebody. I wanted to experience the, uh, uh, you know, because the original had a lot of praise around it like i heard wonderful things about it as a horror movie and it's the story of a young boy who is bullied and he is befriended by a young girl vampire and i'm like well that's something i haven't seen before this is going to be good and and then i wasn't able to find someone to watch it with and so time went on and i kind of never did and then here comes this opportunity yeah and we have a very special episode and I'm supposed to give you movies that I haven't seen either. And I'm like, well, here's my chance. It's October. It's oh, Halloween. Perfect. Let's watch two movies and we can judge how the American movie changes the original and how they how filmmaking is different and how storytelling is different from an American perspective. And really it was it was watching one movie twice. Yeah. The uh so what's interesting about the remake, let me just, because I think I want to talk a little bit about the remake, and then we can pretty much throw it away. Uh, the remake was written and directed by Matt Reeves, who was uh, who became famous for, uh, first of all, he directed Cloverfield, which I love, uh, which is the J.J. Abrams mo- found footage monster movie. And and most recently, he skyrocketed to, to fame by directing the Batman the the newest 
the Batman movie. And uh, and now the spin-off series uh, about the penguin, he's he's producing that. And so like he's he's got a lot of nerd cred. And uh, he picked up, after uh, Cloverfield, he picked up this movie to adapt, I guess, and, um, and directed it. And he got um, a young Cody Smith McPhee, who we recently encountered in, uh, he was the young man in Power of the Dog. Oh, okay. That's where the, that's the young boy. He, he did this first. And, um... And then Chloe Grace Moretz, who you may not know, but she... I know her name, but I don't know who she is. She came to stardom through uh, through a movie called uh, Kick-Ass. Oh, yeah. Which was a I think I might superhero have seen that, kind of parody. Yeah. Yeah, Wasn't, she played... Was that the one that Paul Rubens was in? Or no, that was Mystery Men, was Paul Rubens. Yeah, no, no, no. This was after Mystery Men. This starred... Um, I did see Kick-Ass. Uh, it guy... was like her dad or something? Well, no. So oh. she and her dad play a like a Batman yeah. and Robin team. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. but they're kind of side characters, but she is kind of this, like, uh, hit girl, I think is her name. Okay. And she's just as, and it was like, she was 10 years old and she was playing this extremely violent yeah. little superhero. I have seen that, superhero. yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad you have, because, uh, I might have assigned it to you. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, anyway, so I was excited to see her in this. And, um, I guess there are things we can talk about, but ultimately they did nothing different. Mm-hmm. Well, they very did little. very few very things little. different. Yeah. And the things that they did different, I don't think were better. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we could talk a little bit about that. I would but, agree um, with that assessment. I will say the most surprising part of watching the remake to me was the title card that came up after the end that was like written and directed by... And I was like, written? What? Written, written what? <laughs> like... That's exactly adapted for the screen. It didn't even say adapt. Yeah, it was like it just said written and directed by, and I was like, "Oh, really? Yeah." Oh, I yeah. was like, "You all you you cribbed all your notes, man. What What do you mean yeah. you wrote this? You didn't write this?" Yeah, 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 yeah. I had the exact same reaction, and um, and they, you know they changed the setting, of course, to the to the United States and all that, and um, and weirdly, like it's set in Los Alamos, New Mexico, Mexico yeah. which. Why? Why exactly? Uh, I um, think because they need a place that is um, relatively remote, that it still snows in. I actually had to Google, like, does it snow in Los Alamos? About yes. about 30 inches a year, so, uh, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. close I didn't to know the, that because... close to the average snowfall of Milwaukee, actually. So Yeah, it's very high. Yeah. It's a, it's a, the elevation is yeah. pretty up there. Um, yeah, so the, I, I don't know. I, 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 there's so much that I want to talk about for the for the remake and the things that they did differently um but also I'll, let's go back and talk about the original yeah first. i feel like talking about changes in the remake are is like talking about shuffling deck chairs on the titanic because like none of it makes any difference like all of the story beats of the original movie are there and a lot of the yeah. scenes and a lot of the dialogue so yeah let's yeah. talk about the original let's talk about let the right one in yeah, so let the right one in, which is a better title, first of all. Yes. Like, I, I, I'm flabbergasted. Uh, but uh, it's a Swedish film, and um, it's basically uh, about this little boy who lives in an apartment complex, kind of a lower-income apartment complex. And he is, uh, you find out that he is, it's interesting because you start the movie, and it, and it kind of presents him as almost this little psychopath because he's, he's saying things like, you know... Uh, are you scared, Piggy? And he's got a knife, and he's like, and you're like, oh my God, is this is this some cruel little psycho? But we find out 
that those are the words that his bullies are using mm-hmm. to bully him. And so he's kind of like psyching himself up to defend himself. And um, he, uh, uh, these new neighbors move in, a, an older man and a young girl, and the young girl befriends him, and she's already kind of weird like she she's not wearing shoes out in the winter and uh, or you know she only has a little like like a little sundress and she's not cold and um but they slowly kind of develop a friendship over the course of him kind of just hanging out in the courtyard of this building and uh you find out really quickly that she's a vampire uh well you find out really quickly that her dad is well what we think is her dad is killing someone what we think is her dad yeah yeah Yeah. so i i don't know like do we go through the do we do we explain what the plot is i don't i don't i just ask you like let's not what did you think of this movie what did i think of this movie yeah we don't need to recap the whole plot i mean like the the short summary that you gave at the beginning was was fine um well, it's funny because this, you know, so we watched um, Call Me By Your Name last week. And uh, this is another slow foreign film. Like, this is mm-hmm. almost two hours. And, you know, the plot certainly uh, is, it, that running time is more justified the, by this plot than than Call Me By Your Name. But there, there's still... Yeah, more goes on there's here. There's yeah. still a lot of, like, slow shots in this movie. And there's a lot of characters in this movie that don't seem super well differentiated. And it can be hard to keep track of who is who, which yeah. is a little... It's, it's tough, right? It's just because there's a lot of things where people are not really introduced in a in a very... You know, you don't recognize any of these people, right? They're Swedish actors. Uh, maybe maybe they're all super famous in Sweden. I don't know. But, yeah. uh, you know, there's like a bunch of like 50-year-old white guys, and I'm not sure which one is which a lot of the time. And they're not like crazy well differentiated. And, and so it can be a tough like, oh, was this the guy that lives across the courtyard? Or is this the guy that lives uh, in the in the apartment next door? Wait, is this is the killer, right? No, okay. And I felt I felt myself doing that a lot, which is not a great yeah. place to be if you're a movie that's got a somewhat intricate plot, right? Um, yeah, I can see that. This does have a really nice sense of place, although are are forests in Sweden historically lit up bright as the daytime? So bright! I was so confused by there's this why so, are you trying to do this when it's so bright out? fans of the podcast there is a scene <laughs> early on in this movie where uh the vampire ellie's companion kills someone for her her grown man companion yeah who who we are led to believe at first is her father uh he strings someone up in the forest and drains him like a pig in a slaughterhouse of blood. And it's a brightly, brightly lit forest for some reason. It's never, yeah. it's never made clear like if that is a stylistic filmmaking choice or if there really are just like walking paths in the forest. Because Sweden is above the Arctic Circle or parts of Sweden are above the Arctic Circle uh-huh. and it can be dark for 24 hours a day there. So I... Which, by the way, makes a lot more sense as a place for a vampire to live than Los Alamos, New Mexico. But sure, um, yeah. 
you know, so maybe there, like, I don't know, maybe there are forests in Sweden that are just lit up at night so that people I can I feel like it was just a, a low budget filmmaking problem. Yeah. Um, personally. And, uh, but, you know, you're, it, I had the same problem. I had two problems with that scene. That was glaring to me, literally. Yeah. But also, I, I really wanted to see him successfully kill someone. Yeah. You know, well, before we see him fail, because he because what happens is he's 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 strung up this guy in this well lit part of the forest, and people come along. Yeah. This dog comes up to him, and he's trying to shish away the dog. But then the owners of the dog come up and find the body, and he very nearly gets caught, and it it makes it so that he can't give the blood to the young vampire mm-hmm. he's taking care of. I really wanted to see him do it successfully once before we see him fail every time. Yeah, just the fact that he's been doing this for a very long time is implied. Uh, But yeah, we never never see that actually happen. And and yeah, I think that would have... Because he has a very specific character arc in this movie, which kind of snuck up on me, right? Because I was focused so heavily on the relationship between Oscar and Ellie and the relationship between Oscar and his bullies. I didn't, Uh I didn't maybe focus in on the relationship with, between Ellie and her companion who again is an interesting one. We are led to why? I mean, I think it's the crux of the movie, right? Because at the end of the movie to skip forward, you, you have to question, right? Is Ellie's relationship with Oscar real or is it, I recognized that my companion is going to die soon and I need to and I need a new companion. I can't survive yeah. in the world without one. And so this is because she could very well be hundreds or thousands of years old. We don't know. Like right. that this is very easily just the thing that she does in order to prey successfully on the human race. Right. And that's creepy and good. And like probably the best part of this movie is that question of easily the best. How real is Ellie's feelings for Oscar? And it's, it does sneak up on you quite a bit, you know? And I, I wish they had, I, I, I feel like that could have been, explored just a little bit more yeah. uh, through the acting through the through something to make it a little more overt or or just a deeper kind of question because yeah. i thought it was the best interesting question about this about the movie yeah. uh where is she grooming this boy to hunt for him um let me ask you this do you remember in the in the remake they did this they show a picture of her with yes. a young version yes. of the man, and they don't, did they do that in the? I don't I don't remember it unless I was looking at my yeah, phone I or something. I yeah I I don't remember it, and that it's funny because that did confirm. So I did feel like oh that was a theory that I had about the first movie that I thought was right, and then that confirmed yeah. it. But it did feel right. like a little handholdy in the in the remake right it did feel oh really yeah i oh you know but that's because i had the question and and i and because i was so intrigued by it uh you know i was like oh you really had to which is funny right because just last week i was complaining about how i don't like to connect the dots but i the you know connecting the dots on this one did feel pretty satisfying so yeah yeah I, i i agree with that i don't know that i think I don't know that having the shot of the picture was 
was bad. I think it. I think it's one of those things where it kind of reveals itself, especially in the last scene in the train car. Um, and uh, so I, I liked it personally. But uh, I, I thought that that was a fascinating element mm-hmm. to this story. The um, the the. The other things that we had to deal with, the bullies, the uh, all that kind of feeds into it as well, where you've got, you know, if, if she's preying on this boy and grooming him to take care of her, it helps for it to be someone who isn't, who, who is a loner, who is not very self-assured, and so she finds someone like that. Um, I really liked how they escalated the whole bully situation. Yeah. In the first, in the first, in the original movie, uh, the the boy, uh, what's his name? Oscar? Oscar. Oscar eventually fights back mm-hmm. uh, through the uh, after the urging of his vampire new vampire friend, and so he hits the bully in the head with a stick mm-hmm. when he is being confronted, and the bully gets a nasty gash in his ear, but the bully has a big brother, mm-hmm. and so the big brother takes it upon himself to kind of escalate further Mm -hmm. and so they confront oscar at the pool and make everybody leave and they 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 distract the the grown-up who's supposed to be there with a with a dumpster fire outside a literal dumpster fire uh, fantastic a literal dumpster fire yeah and they uh and they get everybody out of the pool and send all the kids running but they trap oscar and they're gonna torture him right and uh they're gonna cut out his eye if he can't hold his breath for three minutes and it's a really I believed it. I, uh, I believed that danger. And I really loved the filming of that scene yeah. in the original. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I, the This is not like a terribly scary movie, right? Um, yes, there's some like sort of vicious vampire attacks and there's a little bit of blood and there's a, there's a fire scene. Um, but the only one for me that was like really terrifying was that scene in the pool and the reason is you don't see the attack directly you see it from oscar's perspective under the water that when the body starts getting dragged through the water past him like that is fantastic because he doesn't even really notice it like he's focused on like trying not to die right and all of a sudden there's a body whipping through the water and then all of a sudden there's a head floating down and that's when he starts to like pick up on that something's going on uh, really, uh, and that is that is the scariest scene in the movie to me by far. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really well done. And um, there are uh, there's a, another scene where they they have the um, the the guy who was taking care of her is attempting to find a victim and is about to kill this kid, but then the kid has friends who are about to check on him. So the guy is cornered. People are close, and he knows he he a he doesn't want to do this anymore. But also, he's cornered; he's about to be caught. So he takes a jar of acid, uh, some sort of acid. Yeah, I don't know why he had the acid. They never explain that. But part of his you know kit that he has his murdering kit. He has some acid, and he takes that and he pours it over his head. Uh, he lives, and he gets taken to a hospital, and the uh the the vampire has to like climb up to his hospital room and he manages to get himself out of the bed and come over where and offers himself to her to drain him of his blood and then he falls out the window and it's it's a really interesting 
take on that whole relationship on a, on this is the end of the relationship and I thought yeah. it was done really well. Yeah. Did you had you picked up on that point that he was <laughs> that he was another uh you know companion that he was not her father by that point? No, no, not by that point. I yeah, still, neither had I, no. right? I thought that was her father just sort of sacrificing himself. Yeah, so did I, which uh, makes it I mean it's powerful in one way in that respect, but it's also yeah. powerful in the other. It it works very well yeah. either way, either way you go on that. And um oh, but that hospital scene is another thing that they changed in the remake. Uh, Cuz a lot of it was a lot of shots were similar, but I mm-hmm. the 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 shot where the nurse comes outside because the little girl first she mm-hmm. goes in yeah. to the talk to the front desk to find out where her um you know quote unquote father is and mm-hmm. uh she says oh she's up on the 7th floor uh but it's restricted and so the girl leaves and the nurse sees that she's not wearing shoes and runs out after her but she's gone and you have this yeah. shot of her from the outside of the of the uh hospital, hospital. And the nurse looks around, there's no girl, and she turns around and walks back inside. And then you see the movement on the side of the building as the girl continues to climb up the side of the building. They did that differently in the remake, and not as well. And I thought, yeah. well, that's an interesting... Yeah. Yeah, why did you do this worse? Why that would... doesn't seem... Exactly. It... Why would yeah. you do this worse? So that and the pool scene were both done worse in the remake. But I will say I appreciated the getting caught scene more. So in the in the original, it's in the natatorium or in the gymnasium or whatever, and in the remake, it's it's hijacking a car. So A, it's using the same method he's already yeah. used once, yes. which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And B, yeah. it's much more actiony, and um, mm-hmm. it, it, I think I thought it was much more suspenseful because he's hiding sure. in the back seat, and and the the kid who he's stalking picks up a friend. So now there's two kids in the car. And, yeah, uh, I thought yeah that was no, better. that was really good. Yeah, you're right. That was better. Yeah. yeah, but that's the only thing. They also moved the bit with the hospital, like, as a prologue. Uh, th- which yeah, that prologue messed me up because I thought, oh, this is going to be wildly different. Yes. We're starting in the middle of this movie, and I thought we were just going to move forward from that point. But no, it was an MI3 fake out. Yeah, and uh, and I was not. Uh, it worked much better in MI3. Oh well, good. I'm glad you thought so. Yeah, so I'll give you that too. Um, so I I don't have a lot more to say. I. I think either movie is fine on its own. You definitely don't need to watch both of them, unfortunately. No. I wish I wish it had been so. I wish they had been reimagined, the story. I would love to see this story reimagined somehow from an American's perspective. Yeah, but... I, I, I will say the most interesting thing for me about this movie is the, the plot, the idea, yeah. the fundamental idea. Yeah. I had serious execution problems with a huge portion of this i like i haven't really gotten into this but like there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of scenes that can be difficult to follow because you're not sure exactly who you're uh you know looking at and there's some weird framing choices and timing things that make you just go oh this is european Mm. you know (laughs) yeah but a lot of those shots uh one other shot that just popped into my head was the one where they're where they're cutting the guy out of the ice uh it mm-hmm. was just a really interesting shot because the the you're under the ice looking at the body and the and the chainsaw goes yeah through. i almost wonder i almost wonder if this movie doesn't suffer a little bit from like trying to make every shot an interesting shot mm. right like that that's the thing i think you know yes 
have your like flashy, interesting things, right? But like a lot of the time, the camera can just serve the storytelling rather than being a thing of its own. And then when it does become a thing of its own, it stands out more. And this one, it felt like every single scene or almost every single scene was like trying to find the most interesting angle, yeah. like the most interesting framing. And and there were times when I just wanted to be like, maybe we could just, you know, look at a person when they're talking rather than the Rubik's Cube. Yeah. And, and then look at the Rubik's Cube when we're talking about the Rubik's Cube. And like, you know, <laughs> yeah. there, there are just times when I felt like straightforward choices would have served the movie a little bit better. Yep. No, yeah. I, I give you that too. Yeah. Uh, I did like the acting in, uh, in both. Um, I thought that, uh, I thought that, uh, boy, I thought Chloe Grace Moretz was basically doing the same thing as the Swedish actress was doing, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, but I thought both of the young actors did interesting things, uh, and, and a, a little bit differently to make them distinct. And, um, yeah, so I would say pick, pick one or the other. If you absolutely don't like reading subtitles, uh, go ahead and watch the uh, American version, but um, otherwise, I, if I had to choose again, I would probably choose the Swedish version, even though I don't like watching sub reading subtitles. Wow, yeah, that's a that's quite the endorsement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to give it a rating? I do want to give it a rating, and I want to give them both a rating, but I I don't think there's any reason to rate these movies differently from one another. Okay. I think I think they deserve the same rating. Yeah, the, like you could nitpick them apart, right? And if I had to choose a favorite, I too would choose the Swedish original. Um, but I think they both deserve a five. They're both right down the middle for me. They're huh. they're you know good, but I I wouldn't watch them again. I did feel they were a little over long. Uh, you know, the story is really interesting, but man, I feel like there's maybe a better movie that tells the same story. Yeah, yeah. I would I would love to see this remade again uh, or 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 somehow tell a different version of this Rebooted story. Rebooted or reimagined. Yeah, I want yeah. The, the the girl care, the, this young female vampire character is is fascinating and I think there's more there's more to her. I'm going to give it better. Uh, the Swedish version I'm going to rate better because I would watch it again, especially with somebody. If I wanted to show them this movie, I would watch it. And I, I'm going to give it a, 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 I think a seven. Yeah, it's. I've certainly seen worse horror movies. And uh, I think I'm going to give the American version a, uh, a three <gasps> Whoa. for its unoriginality. Uh, I, wow. Because... because you know, Harsh. when you look at American remakes of horror movies, uh, the, uh, the, it pops to mind The Ring versus Ringu, right? The Ring made improvements of the story. It's it's in, in you know it, it fixed some things. It changed it for an American audience. It did it it did better. Some people still prefer Ringu, but um, I didn't. And uh, this is a this is an interesting situation where like someone so talented as Matt Reeves did so little with the with the material that was given yeah. to him so yeah that's fair yeah all right um well before we move on i, I just wanted I, I wanted to do a really quick mini review uh since it's halloween season i started watching the nightmare on elm street movies again and i wanted i don't know why but i caught it in my head to start with uh the third one because uh, ep- uh, have you seen any nightmare on elm street movies 
Uh, I have. It's been quite a few years. Yeah, but I have. I loved them as a kid. They were '80s movies through and through. And uh, through the '80s, you had uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, one, two, three, four, five. That was took you all the way through 1989. And uh, three. Four and five are kind of the trilogy, um, okay. and it starts with the uh, the Dream Warriors, and then the Dream Master, and then the Dream Child. And I don't know, just I thought that it was part three was surprisingly good. Part four, which is generally regarded to be uh, one of the best and certainly the most money making of the uh, Nightmare movies, was the worst. And then I really mm. enjoyed part five again, and so. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting to uh, re- to revisit those and uh, and relive them. Also, I'm not going to give them a rating, I guess. But also, we've talked so much about Sufjan Stevens over these last few weeks, and yes. uh, we talked about him last week because he did music for Call Me by Your Name. This week, yeah. he dropped a new album. Yeah. He did drop a new album. And this I week. listened. Did you to listen it. to? <gasps> oh my God! The without being thing. assigned. Oh, me too. And yeah. what's also interesting is uh, when we first talked about him, I said that he sang like he would be a good boyfriend. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, I do remember he that. He dedicated his latest album to his former partner, who unfortunately died, but his former yeah. male partner, and uh, yeah. which I didn't know that he was gay, but, uh, you know, doing songs for Call Me I By Your Name I don't think I knew that either. Sign, but, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. but yes, so Sufjan Stevens is, um, is part of the family. And also, I really enjoyed... His album Javelin, um, it was it was great. Yeah, it was really great. I awesome. would give that an eight if I'm going to rate. Wow, that. that's incredible! Yeah. Incredible, you guys. Travis listened to an album entirely on his own, and in unrelated news, we're now rebooting the podcast. Welcome to exposing yourself to Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> I would 100 percent expose myself to Sufjan Stevens. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is, I don't want to be crass, but like he's single, so maybe I could be oh, there for that him is and help him, crass. you know, he's in, help, yeah, help him recover from, yeah. from Raynaud's or whatever it was. Yeah, Gain Bar and, uh, and also, G- you know, Gain Bar, that's what the, un, the untimely death of his mm. partner, which is, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, oh, oh man. I feel horrible Gosh. about that. I'm glad he had someone. <laughs> I'm glad he had a, a partner that he can, you know, look back on yeah. positively. But what a tragic thing indeed, to lose indeed. someone you love. Indeed. Anyway, uh, so uh, the only other thing I want to say is that uh, last week I mentioned that I kind of wanted to sing a little bit more, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it occurred to me that one that I have access to a songwriter, and um, that one thing oh, that geez. we could probably do is some sort of collaboration where I could sing on a uh, on a Panko Stankhole song. Oh man, I would love that. That would be. A hundred percent awesome. And frankly, I've actually thought about assigning you to write lyrics because you are notoriously harsh on people's lyrics. You have a very fine line that you like people to walk. And so I really want you to experience how difficult it is to write lyrics that are sincere but not cheesy, that are meaningful. I don't pretend but not... that I think it's easy. I... Critics are not... No writers you know yeah you don't expect a, a a food critic to be a good chef but uh i would i would absolutely love to collaborate with you i'd love it if you wrote something and i'd love it if you listener would write to us 
at exposingourselvespodcast at gmail.com or interact with us on our Facebook page. At, uh, you can search for Exposing Ourselves. Uh, and uh, let us know what you think. That was smooth. Oh, we, we have not yet assigned each other things for next week, have we? Yeah, let's do it. Let's assign ourselves things for next week, and let's do it quickly because we're getting close to time. We here. are. Do you know what you're doing? What you're giving me? Absolutely, I'm giving you one of my favorite bands of the '90s, uh, a band that was pretty popular but isn't super well known today. I'm giving you the album 1965 by the Afghan Wigs. Have you ever heard of Afghan Wigs? No, none of those things made sense to me. So Afghan Wigs is a band that uh, came up with the alternative scene in the early 90s. They actually had been around since uh, 88 or 89, had released a few albums, including uh, an album, uh, two albums on the famous Seattle label Sub Pop, which is the same al- uh, label that Nirvana was on and Tad and uh, a bunch of other uh, grunge bands. But they were not a grunge band. Uh, band they they weren't part of that movement they actually their rock band that really drew more from like 60s and 70s r&b um and their album 1965 came out in uh just before the turn of the millennium and i think it is the perfect encapsulation of their ability to write like groovy rock pop songs they they've they had done like concept albums before that and they had done things that were like a little more aggressive but 1965 is i think probably uh the best entry point for the afghan wigs catalog okay well i'm excited to try it out uh and uh, i am going to uh stick with our uh halloween theme this month and i want to give you a scurry movie um have you seen uh, first of all i guess how big is your tv uh, 46 inches okay. that's kind of a personal question <laughs> how big is it uh, how, how wow you got it's a, average it's average you got a good sound system attached to that tv no man just the tv really just, just the, the tv, TV. oh yeah. well i don't know if i yeah. want to give you this song this movie then um it's that important huh? it's it's fairly important uh so i'm going to switch up i'm going to give you a, i'm going to go back a little further in time and give you a, a a movie that i remember being pretty good it's a it's a monster movie have you ever seen the descent uh about a group of girls who go um go spelunking in a cave no. Great, great. So this movie is uh, about <laughs> about a group of girls who go spelunking in a cave, <laughs> and uh, there are scary things inside, uh, more than just the cave. And um, uh, I remember the the first movie being pretty good and su- kind of surprisingly good, uh, so good that it made decent money and uh, warranted a sequel. And so um, I, I don't remember if the sequel was any good, but um, it has probably been 15 years or more since I've seen this movie. So just grain of salt here. But grain of salt. This one might be terrible. Could be, could be. But uh, I'm excited to revisit it and uh, and expose you to it. So awesome. Well, Travis, thank you so much for exposing yourself to me this week. Oh, it's my my pleasure. Thank you for exposing yourself to me. You got it, man. All right, talk to you later.